If you're an athlete, you know the greatest motivator of all is the fear of letting your teammates down. After all, a team is only as good as its weakest link. So you owe it to those wearing the same jersey as you to be your best every time you step on the field. That's why there's no vape in team. When you vape, you can expose your lungs to toxic chemicals that can damage your lungs. If you're a step behind, the team's a step behind. Brought to you by The Real Cost and the FDA. Welcome, everyone, to Dragon Quest FM, where we talk about and obsess over Dragon Quest. I'm Austin. And I'm BD. And this week, uh, we're <laughs> continuing our talk about uh, the history of Dragon Quest. Last week, we got uh, through DQ4, and we talked about dra- the Dragon Warrior games uh, over in the States, and how there was a big gap after Dragon Warrior 4. Uh, with U.S. releases in terms of the mainline games and things. So today kind of brings us to DQ5. And also, I wanted, I thought about this later. I haven't told you this yet, but I thought about this later, that we should really do an episode, I feel like, on uh, Koichi Nakamura, because he doesn't get included in like the big three because of him leaving the company uh, after DQ5 to like start uh, Chunsoft and all this stuff. But uh, like he doesn't, so I feel like he doesn't get his dues, but he was like so important to like, especially the Dragon Quest, like early history and helping uh, with the game and, and like laying that foundation that like still goes right. on like decades later. Uh, that I feel like he gets the short end of the stick on this one, where it's like people, nerds <laughs> like us, <laughs> uh, bring him up, but generally like he does not get brought up very often. And so I'm just going to tuck that away for another day. Like we need to do a, uh, a Nakamura episode so that he can get his due here on Dragon Quest FM. That is, that is very true. He was instrumental in getting the series to, uh, to where it was popular enough to get where it is now. Yeah, definitely. And like uh, with Dragon Quest V, uh, like he, this was the last Dragon Quest game he directed. And around the same time uh, I read this interview with Nakamura. I was going to see if I could find out where it is. Uh, I think it's in the, the, uh, there's a book uh, that's called like uh, untold history of the Japanese game developer. Have you heard about this book? I think we might have talked. About I might it. have, I think we've talked about it. Like it sounds super familiar, but I know I've never read it. Okay. Anyway, there's some stuff about Nakamura in that book. And uh, essentially what was going on around the time of Dragon Quest V is he was he was getting really restless and you also have to think about like we've been talking about these dudes uh like you know they were like established people and all this stuff but back then they really weren't and like Nakamura mm-hmm. I, I looked it up before this episode because I wanted to make sure my math was right and Nakamura yeah. I believe was 27 when Dragon Holy Quest cow. yeah and so what? I hear about that, and it always makes me feel just a little bit bad about myself that uh, that I'm not that creative. That you haven't made five Dragon Quest games before you were 30? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Th- I mean, there's that. Like, <laughs> I know I've done cool stuff. Like, I'm proud of my accomplishments, but then I'm like, I see 27-year-olds like that, and I'm like, dude, how'd that happen? Yeah, but also, like, I mean, it's it's hard. I have the same problem where, like, I'm looking at that, and I'm like, oh man, this has done such amazing stuff. 
But it's like, you know, I mean, don't compare your life to other people. No, I I very rarely do, except for just that moment of, what have I done with my life? And then I think about it, it's like, I was a college professor, blah, 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 all this. And I was like, so were you. And it's like, we did all right. Yeah, like, do we though make Dragon Quest? Do, yeah, I was to say, do we though? Did you just compare being a college instructor to making Dragon Quest Five? I did. I absolutely how, did. How dare you? And now I've just offended any college instructors listening to it. Your work is important. I really do believe that. But it is like, just like we spent years doing it. Yeah. Like it's terribly important. Just wasn't for us. Yeah, like like this is meant to be a self-deprecating remark, not a like teachers are bad thing. Teachers are very important. I really do. Yeah. But uh, me being a teacher was not important as as the making Dragon Quest V. I can uh, <laughs> unequivocally say that that me being a teacher was never as important as making Dragon Quest V. I can't speak for everyone, but I can speak for <laughs> that's, that's That's one of the best things I've heard uh, all day. Like maybe maybe this week. That's great. And so anyway, so Nakamura, he had this idea for what became Tornico's Mystery Dungeon. Um, mm-hmm. And he also had, I mean, he had a pretty good bit of money. I mean, you make you make the first four Dragon Quest games, you're going to have a pretty good amount of money at this point. He's really young and, I mean, he's restless. So like he wants to start his own company. He wants to, wants to work for himself because even... Even then, you know, it's kind of like you had Yuji Hori, you had Akira Toriyama, you had Koichi Sugiyama, and then Nakamura was just kind of there. I mean, he was included, but it's kind of like you had the big three, you know, they as people called them. And then you had Nakamura, who was like the fourth one. Just He's like the Ringo star of the group. There's was like just in, in the background. So well, did I offend you with the Ringo yeah. Star joke? No, really? no, I, I don't. I don't <laughs> like Ringo. Like it made me mad when Ringo was all, and I, I get it. I totally understand why Ringo did this. But uh, years ago, he was all like, "Hey, stop sending me fan mail. I just kind of want to live my life without fan mail." And I'm like, "Just don't read the mail, man." It's like just telling your fans not to write to you and not to contact you is just a jerk move. And ever since then, I've kind of not liked Ringo. Yeah, I see I see various celebrities who say that kind of stuff in interviews. And you know, maybe it's because I'm not pestered constantly by like, you know, paparazzi fans whatever, right. and also trying to do my job, but at the same time I just I don't yeah, it's real I don't understand that idea behind it. Like if people like you, love you, want to tell you like how much you mean to them or your work means to them, like just let them, dude. <laughs> Yeah, and I mean, the, the the thing that got me was it was specifically fan mail that was being mailed to him at the time. And it's like, just set your Ringo Star. You can set up somebody who filters your mail. Just don't look at it. <laughs> like, <laughs> if anybody can set up a system to filter fan mail, it's one of the Beatles. Like, so it was just a jerk thing. But yeah, that's why I sounded offended. I'm like, that's offensive to him. <laughs> So Nakamura, he wants to make his own, he wants to have his own company. He's got this idea for a mystery dungeon game. He's fresh off of Dragon Quest IV, which Tornico is a part of. And so uh, he decides to make the spinoff game. And, you know, Enix allowed him to do that. And they, this became the first Tornico mystery dungeon. Uh, it also, you know, helped create the mystery dungeon games. Yeah. Which now have, you know, there's Chocobo mystery dungeon. There's like Pokemon mystery dungeon i mean there's a lot of them out there 
that are still in production today. Like uh, the new Chocobo one came out. I can't remember if it was last year or 2020, but they're still being produced. Yeah, for popular. That, that one was a remaster, though, right? Or am I? I think that one was a new one. Oh, okay. Well, there you go. I don't know. I don't. I don't. I, think, especially, I don't know for sure, but I don't like roguelites. So yeah. Um, so yeah. So I don't play too many of these games. But anyway, Nakamura, he did all of this. Um, and even today, uh, it's now Spike Chunsoft instead of just Chunsoft. But even today, Spike Chunsoft, uh, you know, he's still like the CEO of it. Maybe Aww, president it is a remake. of it. It is a remake? Okay, yeah. It I, is a remake. I, I looked it, it up and I had no idea. I thought it was new, but it's a remake of a Wii title. Uh, yeah, of a Wii title. Yeah. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. I win. Hmm. Uh, Austin won. BJ Zero. Um, and oh, so, wow. anyway, uh, but he did he did all of this with Dragon Quest V, which I think is very important. But also, uh, it's worth thinking about, to me at least, is because I it, this kind of started another trend with Dragon Quest, if you're looking at Dragon Quest as like a series, in that Dragon Quest games started being made, uh, like part of them started being made and developed by a third party outside of Enix, mm-hmm. uh, because Chunsoft... Uh, Nakamura's company, Chunsoft, started doing this. And then when Dragon Quest VI came around, uh, I know we're getting ahead of ourselves just a little bit, but when Dragon Quest VI came around, it was Heartbeat. And Heartbeat stayed on doing Dragon Quest games uh, for a long time. And then you had, uh, was it ILIL? Is that the company name that did DQ11? They recently, most recently, they did the Pokemon Brilliant Diamond and Shining Pearl remakes. I don't know, actually. And they're, on they're that doing one. the new uh, One Piece uh odyssey oh, okay. video game that comes out later this year that looks just like dragon quest 11 <laughs> um i mean it does have you seen the trailers uh-uh. and screenshots of that yeah like the i know shading. nothing about one piece so i whenever i see news i'm like okay and then just don't even yeah like the cell shading and everything it looks really good uh, i don't really know that much about one piece either but it looks fantastic and i mean the like from the the cell shading around the character models and just like the environments and everything I mean, yeah. it very much looks like DQ11, and I would not be surprised to hear that they like borrowed assets and stuff um, huh. from DQ11 for some of the environments, like like trees and rocks and stuff. I mean, not like right, right, not yeah. like characters, but but just like minor stuff like that. Because I mean, it looks the stuff that they've shown so far looks so much like uh, 11. But yeah. Anyway, so this all started with Nakamura and Chunsoft, really, with them uh, getting third-party companies to handle part of the development. And it's still pretty uncommon, um, even though uh, even though Yuji Horii is stuck with Dragon Quest, kind of comparing it over to Final Fantasy. Like, Final Fantasy did everything in-house and still does for the most part. I mean, there's a little bit more wiggle room here in the last, like, what, 10 years maybe? 10 years probably, yeah. Yeah. Ten, where they, 10 to 15, they've given gone, that we don't think about, like, since we think 10 years is 2005. <laughs> yeah so so they've gone away from that whereas dragon quest did this much earlier on um so it's kind of a a interesting thing to me at least there with the difference between dragon quest and final fantasy but then also like uh, dragon quest 5 probably uh best remembered for two things monster recruiting mechanics and uh letting you choose your bride i mean those are probably the, yeah. wouldn't you say those are like the two biggies there is yeah what bride are you going to choose that's like a big thing people debate about in the fandom but then even people who've never played this game it's like they talk about dragon quest 5 uh inspiring pokemon and all of this stuff um which isn't necessarily a hundred percent true because uh you do have have smt that had the monster mm-hmm. 
uh, recruiting mechanics first. It wasn't DQ5 like a lot of people uh, give it credit for. SMT did technically get there first. It's like the meme, you know, where like there's <laughs> the two kids, the mommy and the like kids swimming, and then there's like a, a kid starting to drown that's off to the side. <laughs> you know the meme I'm talking about? Yeah, uh, vaguely. Like, like I don't, I don't know if I've seen it much. SMT like, is I, the I, drowning kid meme. Yeah, he's the drowning kid. It is. It, SM, that's SMT being forgotten about when it comes to monster recruiting. And there's still the the multi generational narrative across it too that people it was very uh, unique and like uh, spoiler 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 uh, stopping your main character in the middle of their thing and then p- moving forward in time and everything like that like and making you play the kid and growing up like that was a really new idea at the time. Yeah. Um, also, while we're on the subject, fun fact: uh, Dragon Quest Five was the first game that let you play as a pregnant person. Well, I'll be. Yeah, because of, you know, your bride being pregnant. And she's on your journey with you. Hmm. Uh, first game to do that. And and one of the few, honestly. <laughs> yeah, I'm trying to think of <laughs> like, any other one. Like ever that have let you uh, do that. So there you go. Fun fact about DQ5. Huh. Uh, you can play as a pregnant person in DQ5. Hmm. Um yeah, I know. No one ever brings that up. <laughs> like I, I, I never even thought about that as being a thing. Like, like that you get to play as a pregnant person, huh? Like, I, I, that would have never crossed my mind and has not. Dragon Quest Five, though, is notable in a couple of ways. Um, people, uh, a lot of people, Westerners included, uh, list this as their favorite Dragon Quest game. Like DQ Five yeah. is frequently listed as the best one in the series. Uh, Yuji Hori has said that it's his favorite in multiple interviews. I mean, this is the one that they turned into a movie. Yep. <laughs> um, and so Dragon Quest V has had a really big impact. Um, I was also, uh, we've been doing a thing on uh, Dragon Quest FM's Twitter account where we're like doing brackets with the uh, Spring Slime Madness to figure out like who people's favorite Dragon Quest games were. And yep. DQ5 and DQ8 went head to head. And uh, DQ5 was like winning there for like a super long time, like had a huge lead, which I was going to be surprised about because most of our uh, followers on there and listeners on here too are, are Westerners who right. I felt like were more nostalgic for uh, eight. But DQ5 held the lead for a long time. And I haven't gone back to look now that the poll is done because we do it on the weekends. So I haven't looked back to see which one won, but DQ8 was back ahead, ahead of DQ5 uh, last time I looked which I thought was interesting. DQ4 beat out DQ3 though, which was like really shocking to me, even though I loved, yeah. even though I personally love DQ4 more than three, I was like immensely shocked that, I mean, it was a, you know, a couple hundred people here voting. So it wasn't like massive, but still I was shocked that DQ4 beat out DQ3. Like that was a, I think that was a big upset. <laughs> that, 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 yeah. Especially after the way that we were talking about three uh, earlier being, like uh just so influential and popular and that people still go back to it yeah i think part of it too, again i think part of it is probably our audience and our follower base and everything because i know from talking to a lot of people who i work with in the uk who play and love dragon quest like they're yeah. not nostalgic for dq3 at all they love dq4 though like, oh. like one of them was even, he's from Scotland was like, what they should be doing a DQ four remake instead of three, like four is so much better. And, 
Uh, but it's because, you know, they didn't get anything until DQ8 came out. Yeah, that's true. And so they are really there. They don't have that kind of nostalgia that the Japanese people do, but also the American people who, you know, maybe played the Dragon Warrior games and stuff like that, or like the, the GBC games of it. And so because of, I think that's a, has a lot to do with it is because they played Dragon Quest, you know, four and five and stuff like that when the DS remakes came out. Mm, that's true. And I just looked, DQ8 did win. Uh, out of 134 votes, uh, DQ8 came in with 51.5%. Yeah, yeah. It, I knew it was going to be close the last time I looked. It was like yep, neck and neck close. there for a while. Yeah, uh, pretty crazy. But anyway, uh, Dragon Quest V uh, started a lot of this. It has a fantastic story. I mentioned back when we were doing our protagonist uh, episode that DQ5's protagonist is probably my favorite out of the whole series. And I do think DQ5 has... The best, definitely one of the best stories, but maybe the best in my opinion, out of, just in terms of storytelling. Even though, right. even though I prefer eleven and four, uh, and maybe even nine over five is just games overall, uh, like that I would that I enjoy playing. But anyway, uh, then moving away from five, uh, we have DQ six. And before we uh, talk about Dragon Quest six, though, I think it's time for a little shameless self promotion. Oh, so shameless. That was uh, something. <laughs> it was. It you was sound, something that happened. You sound like uh, the mice singing uh, somewhere out there in American Tale, <laughs> where they're high, where they're high pitched and off key. The little kid singing, you know. I just kicked my uh, my table. I got too into it. I got too you into it. excited. I got too, I, dude, I love those Bible movies. Oh, man, I I've never liked them. You and I had to uh, got into an argument about that the other day on text. Like, what? I know. Yeah, I, I don't yeah. like the Bible movies. Don Bluth animated movies. Like, like I don't know. I just grew up with those so much. Uh, yeah, like, I've never really liked them that much. Yeah, I, I don't, Fifle Goes oh. West was like my jam as a kid. Like, <laughs> like serious. And even rewatching it, this is my, the first time my kids were watching it. And even rewatching it, uh, I was like, like, I loved every minute of it. Well, I'm glad. Like, I need to go back and watch it at some point because I really have not seen it. But uh, it's like in a long time, like years, like since I was a small child. So maybe I would like it better now as an adult. Yeah. Uh, anyway, we do have a Patreon page. You can find that at patreon.com slash West FM. Uh, just kidding. That's at patreon.com slash FM. Uh, and uh, just quick shout out to all of our patrons. Thank you so much for your continued support, even when we don't talk about Dragon Quest because we're busy talking about one of the greatest animated films of all time. Uh, we didn't talk about Aladdin. Ha ha ha. But thank you guys very much. We didn't much. talk about Sing 2. <laughs> Sing. I haven't seen Sing 2, so I don't want to dump on it. And I actually I've like, never seen either of the, them. The first so. one was actually pretty enjoyable. Like that's a huh. kids movie that's not too bad to tolerate. It doesn't quite have a like, timelessness of uh of some of your like Golden Age Disney movies or Five Will Goes West, but um it's still good. Um, hmm. Yeah. <laughs> also thank you for not knocking me for saying the timelessness of five goes west i could tell that it was kind of brewing under the surface there. i just i just sat and just just watched 
just just looked at the wall. <laughs> just let it happen to you. Yep. <laughs> just sat there and let it happen to you. <laughs> anyway, getting back into today's episode. So then you had Dragon Quest six. Now there was a pretty long gap between Dragon Quest four and Dragon Quest five to the point that Dragon Quest five, which was the first uh, Super Famicom release of Dragon Quest, mm-hmm. was DQ five. But I, I've always thought this was interesting uh, for like how Dragon Quest historically always seems a little bit behind, but still remains <laughs> popular because they're amazing games anyway. Right. Um, it, DQ five when it released, it was kind of behind in terms of, of technology and stuff on the Super Famicom system. And, you know, you see that repeated with DQ7 uh, on the PS1. Um, mm-hmm. And so it's just like, uh, you know, it's it's interesting that that's kind of happened more than once now. But DQ5 did that. And then there was even longer production time uh, between Dragon Quest V and Dragon Quest VI. And so the, a lot of factors, I think, went, uh, went into this uh, happening. Number one is technological advances. I mean, things were like, going on at a much faster rate at this point in the nineties. And so, uh, but you were also seeing a longer development time because you were having to keep up with this like ever changing technology and all of this stuff. And then also, you know, Nakamura, he, he left after DQ five, uh, obviously still had a good working relationship with everybody because, you know, his Chunsoft continued making Dragon Quest spinoffs, uh, much later on, even like, even Tornico 3 was even on PS2 in the 2000s. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, you know, this went on for a much longer time, even after he was he was gone. But he left, and then you also had Yuji Horii and Akira Toriyama, who were busy working on Chrono Trigger uh, around uh, this same time. And there's a whole episode of DQFM you can listen to. Uh, it's a solo episode by, uh, by yours truly uh, that's mm-hmm. about Chrono Trigger and, and its impact on DQ6's production. But um, I do want to kind of just mention some of the highlights here since we're running through like, <laughs> the history of Dragon Quest. And that is just that there's so many similarities between these two games, like just in terms oh, yeah. of some of the environments, the characters, like a while back, you know, I had, I shared it with you and ended up putting it on Twitter because I was just doing it in my free time uh, and sharing it with you where it's like Toriyama's designs for the Chrono Trigger characters, like mm-hmm. line up so well to the DQ6 uh, characters they or even do. some of the the some of the poses and everything it's just like okay they kept the pose on this model they changed the hair color swiped a few things here and there but like it was just the same base from the get-go and yeah. and then also just in terms of of storytelling i think that dq6 i love dq6 uh in the minority here i realize but i really mm-hmm. do love dq6 and i think that you can really see how it kind of impacted uh, some of the storytelling and everything because they were busy with Chrono Trigger. Production had al- had already gone on. It was something like six six years, I believe, uh, between the two games releasing, between DQ5, yeah. DQ6. And so they ended up having to cut quite a bit of content from DQ6 that, that probably would have resolved the story a little bit more, right. uh, would have made things a little bit clearer, like, you know, Ashland's true backstory, origins, whatever you want to call it, uh, and different things like that. They did throw in some monster recruiting mechanics again, just, I mean, dialed way back. And then I believe they dialed it back even more uh, in the DS remake. I didn't use monster recruiting really in the, in when I played DQ6, because um, I liked the party members and stuff. But, yeah. uh, but I mean, the, the game is really long. 
probably, I don't want to say it's not as long as DQ seven, but I mean, it was the longest DQ game at the time of its release. Uh, some other DQ games, you know, have gone on to be longer since then. But at the time it was, the, yeah. it was the longest and it was just this massive game that people, I mean, they had two different maps for it. You know, they had two different worlds basically created for this game. Uh, it sold for something like, I want to say uh, $90, like what would be the equivalent of $90 today. Um, yeah. I need to look it up. I mentioned it in a previous episode. And since then I've, that piece of knowledge has dropped out of my ear. Uh, and been I mean, I know that Chrono Trigger did at the time. Like it retailed in America for eighty nine ninety nine in a lot of places, um, and we still paid it. Like we complain about prices now, but it re- a lot of these older games would retail higher than that. Um, but yeah, so I, I'm like almost certain that it was eighty nine ninety nine for uh, six as well, or whatever the equivalent in yen would be, like right at ninety bucks. Yeah, so it was it was very expensive. Uh, for the time. And since then, you know, like Yuji Hori has said, gone on to say he's not going to work on other things. And I think it's because of DQ6. I think it's because he was busy with Chrono Trigger that he since felt like uh, DQ6 didn't get the attention it needed and that that's why it's not held as in like high esteem as most of the other Dragon (laughs) Quest games are. And I think he feels, you know, responsible uh, for that to to a, a huge degree. And so that's kind of why he's been like, no, 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 I'm not doing a Chrono Trigger sequel. I'm, I'm working on Dragon Quest. And I mean, I, I can respect that. I mean, uh, especially if Dragon Quest is like your baby and you, you feel like one of them is neglected because you were playing with someone else's kid. <laughs> you're going you're gonna to feel bad about it and be like, okay, I'm only going to play with my kids from now on. I mean, I can understand that. Yeah, I mean... Uh, anyway, so DQ6, you know, went on for a while. But speaking of kids, I don't know if you can hear my kids right now. I can. They're definitely being... Very, very, very faintly in the background. They got into Lilo and Stitch this past weekend. They never noticed it. Oh, so good. And Rowan, Rowan used some of her Christmas money that she still had left over to get a giant Stitch uh, stuffed animal. Because oh, cool. she just needed a Stitch. And yeah. she's been going around telling everybody she's Stitch. And then also yeah. toting that one around. And uh, there, I did not realize because I was kind of like, I was, Lilo and Stitch came out when I was at that age where I wasn't young enough to be watching it like for fun because I was a kid anymore, but I was also not old, old enough to be watching it for fun as an adult. Oh, <laughs> uh, okay. So Lilo and Stitch came out when I was like during that 10 year period where it's like, uh-huh. oh, I'm too old to do Were you like Disney 12? Movies. Um, yeah, because I think I was older. 18 seeing it. Uh, I think I was 18 seeing it in the theater, uh, because I remember going with uh, my girlfriend Audrey at the time. Uh, yeah, depending on at when least it, that's the memory I have, depending of it. on when so it, it came like, out. Yeah, I would have been 12 or 13. I don't know what month it came out, but yeah, I would have been 12 or 13 at the time. And uh, so, so yeah, I was at that age where I was just kind of like, oh, I'm too big for these kid movies, but I also was not old enough yet to be like, I love kid movies. Uh, like yeah, 2002. So I was 19. So yeah, right, right then where I saw, uh, I saw it with Audrey. But anyway, um, they, they've been obsessed about it and that's what they're playing right now. If it's picking up on the mic, they're playing Lilo and stitch. So Aww. fun fact, the voice of Lilo is also the ring girl. <laughs> huh? Really? Yeah, it's the actress who plays uh, who plays Donnie Darko's youngest sister in Donnie Darko. That's cool. S. Darko. Yeah, 
I saw the actress's name at the end of Lilo and Stitch, and yeah, she she's S. Darko, huh. uh, Sam Darko, she's the little kid. She's also in the terrible Donnie Darko sequel that I have not seen because I haven't seen it. I've only heard negative things, and I looked afterwards yeah. on the IMDb after we finished uh, Lilo and Stitch, and it's like at a three, which uh, yeah. Uh, like I disagree with a lot of reviews, but if it's a three, it's kind of one of those things where it's like, okay, it's got to be bad. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, like yeah. a like a five, I'm willing to be like, okay, yeah, maybe if so. It's a, if it's a five or a six, I'm like, yeah, I'll probably like this movie. But yeah, a but, three is even below the four, which is really borderline. It's like I'm gonna maybe be able to watch this movie for fun because it's bad. Yeah. Anyway, I don't know how this got so off track. My kids. I blame my kids. Uh, but anyway, so Dragon Quest Six came out. Um, wasn't quite the hit that that five was. Uh, but, you know, it's still it's a Dragon Quest game. I mean, it still did, like, fantastic. It was also, by the time it came out, it was also a little bit behind the times. You got to think that Dragon Quest Six, uh, like Dragon, uh, Final Fantasy Seven released like the next year i think yeah like within like eight months of dragon quest 6 releasing so i mean just to kind of give you an idea of the technology there and then uh dragon quest 6 was kind of like the uh the temporary swan song there for a little bit of like mainline games releasing on the nintendo consoles uh yeah they started uh they moved over to sony for uh dq 7 and 8 yeah Um, nine was the return to nintendo with the ds yeah, they still had they still had monsters and monsters and, side and other games, games right? on Nintendo consoles like Game Boy. Yeah, they did ports, you know, of the older ones. Uh-huh. Uh, they also to fill this time, I guess this uh, uh, should mention this too. To fill this time, this is when we started getting all of the Super Famicom uh, ports of things like Dragon Quest One and Two combo, and mm-hmm. like Dragon Quest Three, Dragon Quest Four. Uh, this was during the kind of lag between uh, with DQ Five and DQ Six releasing. Uh, on Super Famicom, they started to kind of fill the void there. They started pushing out some of these. Uh, I mean, I guess you could call some of them remakes more than ports because they did add in stuff and improve graphics a lot and things like that. Right. But anyway, versions of the game to kind of help fill the void. But also, I have to think that part of that was also uh, for financial reasons that they needed money to be coming in uh, for them to take like a six, seven year gap on making a video game. I mean, you got to have something yeah, to fill I your mean, time. you're going to have to have capital in there and the developers uh, doing something to bring that, that cash in. Thank you guys for listening. I think that about does it for us today. I know I have talked a lot about DQ5 and DQ6, and my kids are still screaming. And so I, <laughs> I don't hear distracted. them now, so oh, that's yeah. something. That's cool. it's, Stitch is so loud. Like, I never had watched Lilo and Stitch before, and he's always like, rah, 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 and he's just like, yeah. Yeah, he's just so loud. I don't know. I'm not a big. I love him though. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not I still have no. a stitch stuck on something here in my office that I keep. I got at Disney World. That's just little like clamp around on the edge of something. I used to keep it on the edge of my monitor. I don't know where it's at when I moved offices. I gotta go search for that. Yeah. Anyway, I, not a fan. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not a fan. Uh, I love it. Thank you guys for listening to this week's episode. Uh, remember, you can find us on Twitter at Dragon Quest FM. You can find us on uh, Patreon at patreon.com slash DragonQuestFM. And if you want to talk to me individually, I'm on Twitter at DragonQuestin. You can also start checking out my Dragon Quest Around the World interviews that I've been doing. Uh, at the time of this recording, there's two live, uh, and a third one will probably be up by the time this episode is up as well. 
Uh, so check those out at dragonquestaustin.com. And you can find me on Twitter at Professor Beege. Uh, you can listen to my other podcast, the geek to geek podcast, wherever you're listening to this one. And if you would like to talk to us on Discord or Slack, uh, we are there at geek2geekmedia.com slash Discord. Yeah, and one last note, because we get stats on when people listen to episodes, and I realize that like hundreds of people leave in the last like 30 seconds when we're doing our like uh, farewell stuff, which makes sense. Oh, yeah, I do yeah. the same thing. A lot thing. of people do. I do too. But anyway, I just want to say that if you're still hanging around, you get this little extra as a special treat. So hello. Hello to the people who are still managing to stick around for this. That was your treat. Just an extra hello and thank you. That we love you. Hello. <laughs> yes. All right. See you all next week. Bye.